Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Do you ever feel frustrated? Well, your dog does. Frustration occurs when an animal is interrupted in reaching their goals. Unfortunately, this occurs all too often in the modern world when a dog's goals do not align with those of their human companion. This can be a source of distress for both you and your dog, but it can also lead to the development of problem behaviors and can damage the relationship that you have with your dog. But we have answers for you. Join us for a two-day in-person seminar October 5th and 6th with instruction by Daniel Shaw. Daniel Shaw is an animal behaviorist with a background in animal behavior, psychology, and neuroscience. He will be talking about what frustration is and how it can be identified, the difficulty of conventional approaches in resolving frustration, what influences the value of rewards, as well as supporting frustrated dogs and building frustration tolerance. You can buy early bird tickets now until August the 5th, and be sure that you join us for our pre-seminar social Friday evening where you can meet Daniel and the Dog Speak team. We look forward to seeing you October 5th and 6th in Nashville, Tennessee for the Neuroscience of Resolving Frustration in Dogs seminar. Hey guys, and welcome to the Dog Speak podcast. I am Nikki Ivey, your host. I am thrilled that you are joining me to talk puppies, dog training, real life manners, and more. Be sure to check out our Facebook page as well as our website at dogspeak101.com. Hey, Dog Speak Geeks, I hope you're having a wonderful day and a wonderful week already. Hope things are going well in your household, you're staying safe, and that you've had an opportunity to work with your dog this past week or two. Hope that you've had a chance to listen to our last few podcasts and really gotten some information how you can be a better dog owner and you can be a better partner to your dog. So today I do want to talk about something that can make a huge difference in the relationship with your dog as well as uh, just your training success. And that is discussing the word no. So a lot of people use the word no in training their dog. And uh, a lot of times people use it for many different behaviors that they're trying to stop. And one of the first things that I will do when I'm working with someone is I will take away their use of no. Now, you may be wondering, now, why is that? Why is it that there's a word that we can't use in training uh, because my dog knows it really well? Well, here's the issue. When people use the word no, they will tend to use it with tone, attitude, or volume. It's very hard for people to say the word no towards their dog without some type of emotion behind it. And the first few times that you use it with a puppy... The dog hears your voice and they stop what they're doing and they pay attention to you. So a lot of times in people's minds, they think, well, my dog knows what it means because they look at me. Then as you use it more and more, the dog starts to realize that there's really nothing to the word. So they stop acknowledging you when you say the word no, which creates more tone, attitude, and volume until the dog stops what they're doing. Well, first, I don't want to have to use any type 
of tone, attitude, or volume when teaching my puppy. I don't want them to be afraid based on the tone of my voice. I don't want them to be responsive to me based on the tone of my voice. If I have to depend on the tone of my voice, then I have to really ask myself, well, the tone that I'm using, do I feel comfortable using that tone in every possible setting that my dog is going to be in? Wonder if I have company over. What if I want to take them to the local cafe? What if I want to take them to the farmer's market? Are you going to have to use tone, attitude, and volume to get your dog to respond? You shouldn't. And if you do have to use it, are you willing to do it in front of people? So that's the first thing I want you to think about is your tone, attitude, and volume. And that really goes with anything. It's not just the word no. It can absolutely go with any command that you give. And we really try to focus on the words themselves and not how we're saying them. It's important that if the dog understands what sit means, we shouldn't have to say it harshly. We should be able to whisper sit and get the same behavior. So we don't want the dog to respond to just that tone and it just so happens that the word coming out of your mouth is no. So that's the first reason why we take away the word because we want to get you out of that habit. We want this to be a pleasant experience for you and your dog um, and it shouldn't have to be so, um, you know, angry, because that's really what the word no, it sounds like. It's very angry. The other reason, and these are not in any specific order, uh, they're, they're all equal in my reasoning, um, but the second reason I want to talk about is because the word no, people use it for so many different behaviors that they're trying to stop, that they, they never really teach a behavior with it. And we want to make sure that anytime we are teaching a word to a dog, we have a very clear behavior that we expect. You know, when we say the word sit, our expectation is butt on floor. When we say down, our expectation may be belly on floor. If we say uh, down and relax or down and settle, maybe that means lay down with your belly and then um, lay on one hip. Uh, you know, we want to know what it means when we say stay. For me, stay is stay in that spot and don't move until I give you permission. Come is come to me, allow me to get my hands on you, and don't leave me again unless I give you permission to do so. So in other words, come to me, physically make contact with me, and wait on further instruction. So you want to be very clear in what your expectation is when you're using a word. With no, people use it for so many different things that the dog usually gets it wrong. They say no to chewing on shoes, no to barking out the window, no for chasing the cat, no for jumping up on you, no for mouthing your hand, no for running after the squirrel. So no is used for so many things, but nobody ever teaches a behavior. If you're going to say, no, don't chase the cat, then you need to teach the dog what you expect when you say no, which is stop running, take your attention off of the cat, and leave the cat alone. Instead, people just scream no and hope that the dog will stop in his tracks. If we say no to chewing on the shoe, what are we teaching the dog? Not to chew? Not to chew on the shoe? Not to chew on the shoe in front of you? What, do you, what does that look like? 
Does that mean I can just hold the shoe in my mouth? Is no, because you want me to stop chewing on it and I can just hold it? Uh, is holding a problem and I can just lay here with it? Um, what exactly do you want when you say no when I'm chewing the shoe? If you start punishing your dog for chewing on your shoe and you don't teach a clear expectation with the words that you're using, then the dog is just going to think that chewing in front of you is a negative thing. Therefore, they will start hiding when they are chewing on something. And if it's something that they should not be chewing on, you're not going to have a very good opportunity to teach them that that's not appropriate. You know, we never want to punish the dog for chewing because they will hide what they're chewing. We want to teach them what to chew on because when they're chewing on the shoe, you know, you're not punishing the chewing itself. You're punishing what they're chewing on. But for the dog, they don't know. All they know is that you scream at them when they are chewing on something in front of you because the majority of the time they're chewing on something as a puppy, it's something inappropriate. So you want to make sure you're always teaching behavior with the words that you put in place. I actually don't use any words when I teach a puppy that chewing on the shoe is inappropriate. All I do is remove the shoe and give them something that they can have instead. I don't need to say anything. I am interrupting the behavior I don't want and I'm showing them what I would rather them do. They chew on the good item, their toy, then they can get praised and rewarded. So we don't use the word no to stop those behaviors because nobody ever teaches an actual behavior with it. And so it ends up that your word no um, is used to stop 28 different things and it's not fair that the dog should have to read your mind on you know what they're doing wrong at that moment. Imagine if somebody just followed you around and occasionally just yelled no at you. It would get very frustrating and you would probably start to have a little anxiety anytime they were in your presence. So, you know, that's something you want to think about when you're communicating with your dog. And the third reason that I don't use the word no or teach the word no is because if someone is focused more on interrupting or correcting bad behavior, then that's all they're looking for. If your dog knows the word no more than they know the word good boy or good girl, then you're on the wrong side of the tracks in your training. You're focusing more on stopping bad behavior instead of teaching the good behavior. There are a lot more bad things to stop than there are good things to teach. So it's a lot easier if you just focus on teaching what you want. So like we were talking about the chewing, I do not punish the dog for chewing on the wrong item. I just replace it. I interrupt, replace, show what I'd rather have. So if you're really focused more on using the word no a lot, then you're really focused more on telling your dog what they're doing wrong and you're missing on the opportunities to teach them what they are doing right. Because I promise you, your dog is doing a lot of things right. You just need to train yourself to really look for those behaviors. And when you start looking for those behaviors, you'll find that the word no is not needed. So you may ask, well, Nikki, well, what am I supposed to do if they're doing something I absolutely don't want? Well, when we talk about foundation, we talk about the behaviors that dogs offer, which is uh, every behavior either fits in a self-rewarding category or a non-self-rewarding category. Self-rewarding means the dog doesn't need us. They don't need us to, to find this thing that they're doing rewarding. For example, 
chewing, since we're with chewing, we might as well stick with it. Chewing is rewarding for a dog. It does not matter what they're chewing on. It is rewarding to them. And so whether we give them a bone to chew on or they're chewing on your shoe, you know, the bone may be more yummy, but the chewing itself is going to be rewarding. Even though chewing the bone may be more rewarding at that moment, if there's no bone there, chewing on the shoe is, is what is rewarding for them. They don't need us to tell them good job because they know it's good because it feels good. Sitting, that is a self-rewarding behavior. A dog sits, it's comfortable. The dog lays down, he's relaxed. It's self-rewarding. We don't have to tell our dogs great job for that. It'll never go away. If we never acknowledge a dog for sit or laying down, it's never going to go away. We may not be able to get it on command so that we can't elicit the behavior when we ask for it, but it's not going to go anywhere because it's self-rewarding. Non-self-rewarding behaviors would be behaviors that a dog would need uh, an external resource to tell him that it's good. Jumping is a great example for that. Jumping is not rewarding unless the human makes it rewarding. Or if the dog is jumping on another dog, that dog has a decision. They can either make it rewarding or not. So there are only three ways you should be handling these behaviors. You either acknowledge it, ignore it, or interrupt it. We want to definitely acknowledge all the good behavior. Let the dog know when they're doing right. Tell you, if you can just tell your dog 50 times, if you can find 50 behaviors to tell that dog that they've done something right, you are well on your way to having a good relationship. If you take the behaviors for granted, then you're going to be struggling and you're going to get frustrated and you're not going to have as close of a relationship with your dog as you could have. So you really need to focus on acknowledging good behavior and take nothing for granted. When you start filling your dog's brain up full of the behaviors that you want, there's not a lot of room left for the things you do not want. We like to uh, ignore behavior that is not self-rewarding. For jumping, we can just simply ignore it. We don't look, we don't talk, we don't touch. So it's teaching that jumping gets nothing from me. You know, I, I really have a hard time understanding how there are, uh, I've seen in the past classes are put together like a four or six week class on jumping. And I personally don't think that I could even come up with as many scenarios for a four week to six week class on jumping when it's as simple as ignore. We don't look, we don't talk, we don't touch. If the dog is jumping up on a gate, we don't walk towards the gate. If the dog is jumping up and down, we don't throw the ball. If the dog is jumping on us, we turn away. When the dog has four on the floor for three to five seconds, we acknowledge. We say, that's what we want. If you say no when the dog jumps, the dog's going to be like, gosh, they must never want me to come see them. Every time I come to see them, they yell at me. And so what starts to happen? The dog stops coming to greet you at the door. The dog stops coming and, and being excited when you get home from work because the dog says, hmm, the chance of getting yelled at is a little too high because all you've done is try to eliminate the jump when in turn you've just taught the dog that you're always in a bad mood when you come home and that they're going to get in trouble. All right, so these are the things that you need to be thinking about. Ignoring is powerful. If it's not self-rewarding, we ignore it. Not going to make it a big deal. It's a wrong puzzle piece. So what? You made a wrong choice. We've all made wrong choices. Thank goodness that, you know, most of our wrong choices that we've made have not put us in a really bad place. There are some people that have made bad choices once or twice and they've ended up in a really bad place. All right, so 
we want we don't want to focus so much on the negatives. Now, the things that may be self-rewarding, like the chewing on a shoe, we interrupt it. We don't punish it. We don't correct it. We interrupt it. We interrupt so that we can redirect and show what we want. So therefore, I don't need to use the word no. I can quietly interrupt a behavior and show them what I would like to have instead. So it can really make a huge difference in the relationship. And as as far as the training goes, um, it's a lot more uh, fun to tell your dog when they're doing right. And uh, it's a lot less fun to have to say no all the time. You know, so if you are saying no more than you're saying good boy or good girl, you need to rethink your training. You need to, to think about more of what you want your dog to do and focus on that. You know, we've done a, an episode on the laws of attraction. It's what you put out in the universe. It's what you're looking for. It's what you're going to get. And um, I believe that wholeheartedly. And, and I've been teaching that way for a long time. And now I'm using laws of attraction in my own life. And it's pretty amazing if you start looking for the good things. And it's, it's hard to do. It's hard to do in this world. It's hard to do when you come home and you're tired. Um, and you don't, you know, you just want to cuddle with the dog, but the dog wants to play and the dog doesn't want to settle and you just want to sit on the couch and I, it's hard. But if you can just focus on the positives, that will make things so much easier for you and your dog. So how do we handle things that we don't typically mind, but we want to stop? Uh, for an example, excessive barking. So we deal with a lot of barking issues. Dogs bark. That's what they do. It's how we handle it that makes all the difference. So for barking, we don't take barking away. Uh, I don't think it's right to take barking away. But I do want to tell my dog when I am done with their barking. And I want to show them a very clear behavior of what I expect. So the words I'm about to give you and the behaviors I'm about to give you are things uh, that we use for things that are typically not wrong. We just don't want any more at the moment. Barking out the window, um, playing too rough with their, you know, playmate, or um, maybe digging. Some people don't mind their dogs digging. They just don't want them digging in certain areas. So instead of punishing the digging, we just want to redirect. So what we teach is that's enough. And that means what we want is for you to take your attention away from what it is you're focused on. So if I have a dog that is digging, I'm going to say their name, say that's enough, and then I'm going to use my body to redirect them away from the, the hole and probably give them something else to do. If it's barking out the window, I'm going to use their name, that's enough, and then I'm going to redirect them away from the window. And the mo- most important thing to do is as soon as they redirect and give you what you want, you get out of the way and you allow them back at the window so that they can make a different choice because it's not as clear to them what you want at that window. Is is being at the window wrong? Is the barking wrong? Is it because that certain dog or that person is in view and that's why, you know, things are being interrupted? They really have to do things several times to get that common denominator. Now, good news is that we have a really good video on our website that shows you how to use this technique. It's hard to explain Um, in an episode, but I do want you to go watch the video because I think it's super important that you watch how it's used so that you can use this instead of feeling like you need to use the word no. Now let me clear this up. That's enough is not used to replace the word no. No is never 
even taught in our training. We don't use that word at all. Not that the word itself is bad, but it's because the way it's used by the human. We use that's enough for behavior that we don't mind, but we want to interrupt in the moment and get a very clear behavior of redirection, which is attention off of it. Now, you can do the same thing if your dog is barking out the window. You can call them to you. That's an incompatible behavior. They can't bark at the window if they're coming to you. But instead of teaching them they can bark until I call them to me, I'd rather teach them to make better choices at the window and to learn how to control their own barking without me having to use that's enough. So we use that's enough to interrupt a behavior for a redirect for a behavior we don't mind, but at the same time, we're helping the dog learn better skills in that moment. So they learn being at the window and barking just a little bit doesn't receive a that's enough. Maybe it just receives a good boy or a good girl. So there are different ways that you can help your dogs understand what you want. And there are different words. And you can use any words you want. There are no uh, set standard rules of words that you use to communicate with your dog. You find what's easiest for you and what's best for you. But if you're going to use anything like quiet, hush, no bark, um, stop, noises. Oh, people love noises. <laughs> All those noises. Well, it may interrupt something when a dog hears that. They're going to probably stop and look and be like, what was that? But if you do not teach a behavior to go with those, then you need to throw those things away. Okay, so we don't use sounds. We don't use um, any type of negative words. We only use words that we associate behaviors with. So you decide what that looks like for you and what that looks like for your dog. And if you start looking for the good stuff and you get rid of no You'd be amazed at how your behavior towards your dog as well as your dog's behavior in general will improve if you just stop focusing on the nose and stop using no. And stop using tone, attitude, and volume altogether. And lastly, as we're talking about the word no, I just want to mention here on the backside about a dog's name. A dog's name is not a command. A dog's name is not attached to a behavior unless you you know, attach it to something. We do not use the dog's name to call them to us. We don't use the dog's name to get their, you know, get them to sit. We get their, we use their name to basically say, the next thing that's coming out of my mouth is for you. So if my dog was looking out the window and I just said sit, well, my dog doesn't know I'm talking to them. But if I say bandit, sit, I've said bandit, her ears have plugged into me, she hears the sit, then she can do what I'm asking. If I just say her name, bandit, 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 what do you think's going to happen? <laughs> you know, so we don't teach the dogs to even have eye contact with us when we use their name because I don't want to lose those powerful seconds if I do need to give my dog a command. So for an example, if I need my dog to come to me, I'm not going to say bandit, get eye contact, and then say come. I'm going to say bandit, come, because it may be in a dangerous situation where I need her to come away from something scary or dangerous, and I need it immediately. I don't need to waste extra seconds getting that eye contact. Same reason why we don't use hand signals, because we want the dogs to listen to the words that we're using and know exactly what we want when we say those words. It's for safety 
for overall relationship and for overall just behavior. So don't use your dog's name as command. Um, it should just be used as pay attention. The next thing that's coming out of my mouth is for you um, and move on with it. So that's all I got for today. Um, I did want to explain why we don't use the word no and why it's not a great idea to use the word no. And that if you're going to use words, make sure you teach behaviors with it. And we really encourage you to start training as soon as you get your puppy. Uh, there are a lot of things that you can get started off correctly and not have those problems later on. So if you have a cute little dog who's going to be 80 pounds, don't allow the jumping now. It's not fair for the dog to... to you know, jump now and get rewarded and then get in trouble for it in six, seven, eight months. So be thinking about those things. Think about what you want from your dog, not from what you don't want. If you don't know what, what, what you want from your dog, how can you expect your dog to know? So it's important. This all gets back on you guys. It's all on you. As, as you know from us, um, we are about training the people. Because if I can train you, then I can help your dog do better. But if I can't train you, then the behavior that we teach the dog is going to fall apart. Dogs are easy. People, that's who we, that's who we like to train. So think about how you're communicating to your dog. Think about if you're using the word no or sounds or noises or uh, claps or snapping fingers. Think about all of those things that you do. And I encourage you to sit down and write the words that you use. And beside those words, write down in detail the behavior that you expect. Sit equals butt on floor. Down equals belly on floor. Settle equals belly on floor on one hip. So I really encourage you to sit down and write down the words that you use with the behaviors so that you can find out if you're using words that you've not taught anything to the dog um, and so that the dog can stop getting in trouble for not reading your mind and knowing magically what it is that you expect them to do. All right, that's all I got for this week. Um, I appreciate you guys' patience. It's been uh, it's been a little rough getting back in here with the uh, with COVID, getting back to work and, and getting people fit in and scheduled, and then having time to sit down for podcast. So um, we're right now probably only every couple of weeks. We are going to try to get back to once a week. If you have ideas for a podcast, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. Uh, we would love to hear what you would like to hear about. Uh, because we want to give you the education that, that you need or that you think that you need. So feel free to reach out to us. Uh, check us out on our Facebook page, Dogspeak101, uh, Instagram, website, dogspeak101.com. So that, uh, and send us a message. Just let us know what you're thinking about. Right? Think, let us know what you want to hear about. We'd be happy to talk about it. Um, I think Gray and I are planning on doing um, a podcast that's hopefully going to be out for next week. And then we're going to talk about... Uh, some of our five, I think we're going to go five top behaviors or five top mistakes that people make with a new puppy. Um, and we are going to put that together similar to the five commands that we were thinking about. So we're going to think about the five mistakes that new puppy owners uh, make. And we're going to have that discussion. So I hope you guys can join us with that um, and just give us your thoughts. We would love to hear from you. Please share our podcast. And if you have a rating system on where you listen, please give us a rating so that other people can find us and we can educate everyone around the world who has a pup. Um, I appreciate you guys. I love you guys. I hope you're staying safe. And I really hope to see a lot of you in person very, very soon, whether it be in a private lesson, group class, or hey, if you just want to buy me a margarita, just say, hey, let me know. I'll be there. God bless and have a great week.